Hey, you. Yeah, you. Open your ears. That's right. I'm pleased to bring you the latest and greatest from our friends over at Open Your Ears Records. Open Your Ears Records are proud to welcome the self-proclaimed Diet Punk's guardrail to the family. Chicago, Illinois' finest are coming in hot with their new EP, Yikes, dropping on September 25th. It's no-holds-barred pop punk at its best. Fiery riffs, catchy melodies, and lyrical content we can all relate to. Don't believe me? Check out this clip from their new single, Till We're Dead. Hear more from Guardrail by heading on over to oyerex.com. That's O-Y-E-R-E-C-S.com. And use promo code NEWMUSIC20 to save 20% off your pre-order. Open your ears to new music and check out Guardrail today. Hey guys, welcome to the Stringer Podcast on the phone sessions, a shortened version of the show where I take my talking from the studio and instead do it on the phone because we're all trying to do our part to work from home and continue to physically distance and wear our masks and not be difficult when people at stores ask us to mind our distance or to, you know, pull our mask over our nose as may or may not be happening right now. I'm going to try to get Savannah Hamilton on the line. She's a super producer who I first met working on NBA TV's The Hangout, which featured a handful of former guests on the pod, and she has continued a meteoric trajectory into the stratosphere of awesomeness. How's that for a pump-up line? Continuing to produce and tell stories, but also moving into a more camera-facing role with shows like NBA XL and Nightcap. Sports are back, and Savannah is in the thick of the Raptors' playoff run. She's busy prepping right now for Game 7, and if you're listening to this, I hope it means the Raptors continue in the Conference Finals. But let's dial her up, and we'll see if she has a couple minutes to spare for a quick catch-up. Joining me on the phone is longtime friend. I can't believe I get to say longtime friend now, Sav. Longtime friend Savannah Hamilton. How how are you doing? It's been I think everything in COVID feels like it's been forever, but I think it's been an additional two years since we've seen each other. I know, Clayton, it's been like such a long time. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's so exciting. It's well overdue. Like if it wasn't for the fact that I take these little like hiatuses from the podcast, it would have this would have been a year ago. I'm I guaranteed it should have been. That's awesome. Nah, I, I'm just happy to be here and you know happy to talk to you again. Like it's been such a long time, and you're right. Like even before COVID, it's been probably like a good two years or so. In, in our emails back and forth, I realized that the last time we spoke was this LeBron James piece that we did together, and it was uh, at first of all. It goes without saying anyone who gets to do a LeBron James piece, I think it ends up in in the top of the things they've ever worked on. I know it is for me. Um, and and we got to go on it together, and I really appreciated it. And I actually, I think I sent you to go do the scrums with LeBron. Am I right? Yes, you did. It's literally, like, to this day, a career highlight. Like, I got to say to people, like, yeah, I stood right beside LeBron in a scrum. No big deal. <laughs> For me, it's as the producer on something, it's the hardest thing when like the coolest part of the shoot or, or or the piece that you're doing, you get to hand off to someone else. You're like, man, if I could, I totally want to be doing the LeBron stuff. But if there's one person I was going to hand it off to, you were you were by far the perfect producer. 
I appreciate that so much. And I was also a student at the time. I think it was my last year at university when you did that. And I was like, just like on cloud nine, just being like, wow, like this is it. This is the industry. I get to stand beside LeBron and work with these amazing other producers like Clayton that like gives me these opportunities. This is great. Okay. 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 We're going to dial back the compliments a little bit, at least to me. Like no. you, you <laughs> run with it. I, I cannot accept anything. Now you bring up a good point. I, in my head, you weren't in school at the time still. And I'll tell you why. It's because we well, we first met through Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment and NBA TV Canada. And I feel like we had been working together for a couple years already, which means you got your start with, with MLSE. Am I correct in saying early on in, in, in your post-secondary career? Yeah. Yeah, it's actually crazy and I'm super fortunate for it. Uh um, I started working with MLSC in my second year university, um, just being honestly like an assistant writer with uh, The Hangout, the show The Hangout. R.I.P. The Hangout. It was, uh, I got to, uh, oddly enough, I got to shoot one of, we'll call it a pilot episode when it was still called Couch Life and it was shot at Akil's apartment and they would have like incredible, no yeah, they would have incredible guests there and then it grew and evolved and and very quickly between it became an NBA TV Canada show, and then that brought you in and another one of my favorite people in in the industry, Dwayne Watson. Yes, shout out to Dwayne. Sweets, he's been he's like he's an OG. Like he's been in it way longer, I feel, than any of us. And that's not calling him like a gray beard or anything. He's incredible, and he's just his ability to always stay at the front of what's interesting, what's topical, but also um, style-wise, you know, what is current in the industry, you know, how things look, how things feel, how things are delivered is, and this isn't meant to be like, let's all praise Dwayne show, but it can be an all praise Dwayne show because he's just that great. I always say that like Akil brought me into the doors of MLSC, but then like Dwayne kind of adopted me. Like he was my mentor. He was like, everything that like everything that I've learned producing wise stemmed from him so yeah I don't want to make this an all Dwayne show but honestly like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Dwayne I think and you might be able to relate to this in my mind and this sometimes still gets me now where I think there's like a producer a really good producer a really good director can be one thing and they must have all these great qualities and you're not good unless you have a perfectly balanced personality with all these qualities and something that you know you look at pairings like Dwayne and and Akil taught me is that it's okay to lean one way and then find someone you work really well with that fills in all those other spots for you and then you become this killer pairing and then with them two of them were already together and they brought you into the production team and now you have like just this super group but where in my head I always put the weight on myself to like I have to be perfect I can't you know I can't drop anything I have to you know know all the things and and be the best at everything they really taught me how important and how key just having a good team could be to to a show or to a career I think you nailed it right there yeah they've uh they've taught me a lot and I've and I've also seen their dynamic firsthand obviously like we call them Batman and Robin I'm pretty sure Dwayne's the Batman and Akil's the Robin, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Akil will fight that. I know. Akil's going to fight me on that. He's like, no, I'm ba Batman. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they've, they've taught me a lot. And like, they do have like opposite perspectives on a lot of topics sometimes. And I 
I like how they still work together so smoothly. And you're right, like that actually only makes for better television when you could have multiple people working as a team so cohesively and we respect each other. But we also know that we also have like different perspectives and voices and opinions on the same types of matters. Now you were you were at Ryerson at the time, am I right? Yeah, Rye High. <laughs> what was that duality like for you between being an athlete but also an RTA at the same time? It was a lot at times, to be honest. And as an athlete, you know, it's very demanding physically, mentally, and emotionally. Uh, I had a lot of big plans for my career as a basketball player, and they kind of got stopped or halted when I had a very bad knee injury in my first year of university that took me out of my first season, really, um, which sucked because, like, I played for Carly Clark. She's, like, the coach of Team Canada. I was training with her, like, extra time after practices at the time, and uh, my whole goal was eventually to go up to the higher levels and, you know, eventually get a Team Canada tryout and just kind of follow those footsteps type of thing. But uh, when I got the knee injury, it literally just kind of put everything on halt. I was really, really sad. And so I just kind of dove into the RTA side, the sport media side, because I was like, well, i got to make the most out of my degree now. Mm -hmm, Of course. (laughs) I just started saying yes and volunteering to extra things on RTA. Uh, You know, I had a spirit live show. Um, I was making sure that I was raising my hands in classes. We had a lot of guest speakers and just trying to connect with them as best as I could. Uh, And just we were the first uh, class of the program. It was a brand new program. So there was a lot of bumps along the road so just embracing them really and then being able to leverage that into opportunities outside of school because because ultimately it's all meant as as years of preparation of the next step and then being able to channel that into making the most of it for you uh would have been your time both at nba tv canada but also the work you've done with cbc yeah yeah you you know my life story already jeez um, we've been pals for a while. Like it's, I know. You, you'd, it, I've also hired you to work on projects with me. You think I'm not going to know what you've worked on? I know how good of a producer you are and what I, what, what you add to my team. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have worked in many different fields. It was my head of my program that respected, I guess, my work at the time and everything. And he put a recommendation in the moment I graduated actually for me to get into CBC as an associate director. Um, I was doing a little bit of ADing with MLSC with the Marlies and 905. So he knew I had a bit of a background with that, but then CBC, like when I was working for the the news, but then also um, just the summer before that Pyeongchang um, Olympics. So that was an experience. How important has (laughs) it been or, or, or is it just to be around sports when you don't, let's say, let's say you're not like at the helm of your own show. How important was it for you to just be around sports? If you're ADing a 905 game or you're helping write on the hangout, um, how important was it to your development just to be around and surrounded by sports and sports people? That's a good question. I mean, it was like sports gives me energy sports gives me life in a way like it just it's so fun to watch and be a part of and talk about there's such a big community around it and such a healthy community um oftentimes just supporting one another and like you know we're all in it to win it as to be as corny as I could possibly be but like everybody has the same goal accomplishment so even being a player to being behind the scenes and still involved with it like everybody still has a very 
similar mindset. And I actually still get the same feeling that I, I do when I, I was lacing up and playing as I do behind the scenes where we're about to go live to air for a show. It's like an adrenaline rush. And um, you, I don't know, personally, like, I haven't found that outside of sports yet. And for me, it's also the routine, the routine of everything. Yes. That 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 yes. I can liken to playing and also being in, in media that you have you lock yourself into a game day routine and and it just doesn't change. And there's like a real comfort and a real safety, but also a real energy that just comes around, whether it's a game day routine or an off day routine. But you just kind of know what you're going to do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, as a player, I had pl- tons of routines before a game day, like the night before even. But then as now, like working in the media behind the scenes, like I, same thing. I, I have routines. I got to know all these players and who they are. There's some stats and like just kind of like going through their stories as well. So it, it just just in preparation, again, for the actual game itself. So you could talk knowledge like, with knowledge on the subject with on the players now i i don't i i swear we could spend this whole time going like going through all the years that led up to this year but i i promised you we were going to talk about this year and i really do because i saw you uh i where i knew you as a, a very highly competent producer i saw you a lot more in front of the camera this year and and i know you you hosted a digital series throughout the raptor season that kept us in the loop as to what was going on both on and off the court um how and i don't want to call it a transition for you because i know this is what you went to school for and this is what you trained in but how have you found those new challenges with the new team that's been that you helped build you know, at the Raptors and at Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, this group that I'm going to say came after my time even. Um, depends on like which group uh, are you referring to? I think of Tony for sure, like oh, and all yeah. the great things she's done. Yeah, I know. Tony's amazing. She's taught me a lot on the producing side as well. And then transition-wise, well, her and Dwayne both pushed me to refine myself on camera. Dwayne gave me an opportunity of being on uh, NBA XL on the barbershop originally and then Tony eventually uh, got me doing little NBA TV Canada Twitter hits. And so it was pretty much just, once again, like a recap of anything that we found interesting, a little hidden gems, if there are stories that are coming out of scrums or anything. And she took me to OVO and she sat right beside me and she was going through my notes with me. And she really guided me to make the transition from producer to uh, on air. And so I'm forever grateful for her. Uh, and then eventually... Wrap up kind of took up a life of its own. Tony wanted to focus on more storytelling content. Uh, she and I've also helped her with some of her pieces of amazing work. To be honest, like she's done like the OVO um, night, Welcome Toronto, uh, Nelson Mandela feature. So she's been amazing with her her work. But yeah, on the on air side, Wrap Up eventually took a life of its own, and we were able to get on the Raptors Instagram page with me and Jake. Uh, who's also, funny enough, one of my sports media uh, RTA colleagues. He was a year younger than me, so we actually didn't talk that much throughout school. But sure enough, here we are working at MLSE together. So we had a good uh, rhythm when it comes to like just pumping out these types of content, uh, having a feel for what younger generations are, are watching. You know, we want to target uh, in a more, funny enough, like a TikTok style. I know that's like probably the most cringy word everybody could say. Um, when we were thinking about Instagram story, like what's fast paced, what people want to see, like a lot more personality, not just like, you know, like game day, not stagnant, but like. Not the stuff they can find in other places. Exactly. Exactly. They want to see something a bit more upbeat. So that's what we aim to do there. 
Um, and eventually, yeah. And then the funny thing is, that, like, the pandemic hit and everything went up in the air. Everything was uncertain. You used a term which we use all too often. You said the funny thing is the pandemic hit when the truth of the matter is we try to brush it off as the funny thing. But when our world gets flipped and becomes so uncertain, it's truly a bit of a scary thing yeah. because you, you uh, we talked about rhythm and we talked about game days and, and, and off days, but now everything is just nebulous. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a good way to put it. You know, it's funny because I was thinking to myself, like, this is like completely aside from my own work, what I do, but like, I'm dying for someday to like create a documentary if it's not already happening, because I swear it's probably already happening. But, uh, you know, a documentary called and then the pandemic hit, right? Or and then COVID literally, that's the title because everybody has a crazy story. Like, it seems like 2020 was going decently well for a lot of people's careers and opportunities. And then next thing you know, COVID hit and like, everything shut down. I have a twin sister. She was in Australia in Tasmania and she had to fly home through four different international airports. And we had to like figure out how she's going to get quarantined and like that. Like it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to go through all at once. I had a lot of stuff up on my plate uh, for opportunities that I was looking forward to. Um, and let's be honest, like a lot of us were depressed. I was fully depressed. I was at my parents' house. Um, my sister was quarantining herself at my place in downtown so she could be alone and not just come straight into the family house. Um, and I was just bummed out for a good like month and a bit, probably. Like I literally was telling people like, I don't really want to talk. I just, just want to <laughs> be in my feelings essentially. And even if we were speaking with other people at the time, all the recommendation coming to us was not to be around others. Yeah. Except those in our immediate household. And so even if we ventured out and had a Zoom call or a phone call or a text message conversation with someone, it's not like you could actually sit in the same room or it was not advised that you could actually sit in the same room as that person where we pick up a different level of comfort. I think just having someone close yeah. versus trying to like convey it all over Zoom. Yes, 100%. Like it's a lot more in a way formal. Like when you're seeing somebody like there's so much um, different body language that comes across. I was actually reading a book last night that said like 60%, 65% of language is all in like your face and like nonverbal essentially. I think it's, I think I've heard other stats are like 80% or something like that. So don't quote me. I don't know the exact number, but um, that's it. I'm writing it down right now. Savannah Hamilton says, yeah, right. This is the stat cannot be disproven. <laughs> yeah. It can only be this amount. Prove me wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I look at I look at the last it's it's six months, seven months, going on eight months, and and it really feels like it was broken into three stages. We had that initial stage where it was uh everyone coming to grips with the reality that we were in. And that was uh a lot of physical distancing. We all learned to order groceries and have them delivered and not go to the store as often and just be around those in our household. But then it moved into a second phase, and that second phase was was sparked um, by the brutal killing of George Floyd. And when I think of reaction and 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 um, in in a very public space, entities stepping up, it's hard not to discount the Raptors 
and everything that they've tried to do. With your close affiliation with that team, with that group, um, both in management and on the court, how was living through that experience for you? Um, It was a lot. And it didn't hit me all at once, to be honest. I think a part of me was feeling like uh, I am so used to hearing these stories. I'm so used to hearing the brutal police violence against the black community and a part of, you know mixed emotions a part of me was upset that it has taken all eyes in a pandemic to be on their screens to see george floyd's murder for anybody to step up and say anything i was glad um, and i still am glad to work for a company that cares about its community especially the team themselves they have been super outspoken about what they want to do they were one of the first teams in the bubble to say we're not about this we might like walk out of this bubble you know we heard players say this is it was a mistake to come here because they want to be more involved with the black community so i'm very proud to have seen the uh, this team be so outspoken but then also you saw those huge black lives matter matter buses pull up to the bubble and i was like yeah that's sending sending a big statement and that was before jacob blake obviously so they're just not letting the conversation die. Um, and they had a whole apparel line created and they specifically requested um, black designers and business and manufacturers to create this apparel line for them. And I had the absolute pleasure of telling that story. And it was an emotional experience just listening to the designers' stories of how, what they've been through. A lot of stuff that wasn't, that didn't actually end up in the final piece itself was said. And, um, I wish I could have included it all, but the reality is that you only have like a limited time when you're producing, right? As you know, so definitely an emotional experience, but I'm glad to be working for a company that does prioritize and is outspoken about the community itself. They've hired a diversity and inclusion vice president that works on Masai Ujiri's level to address the community going on forward as well. I think MLSC is setting a tone for a lot of other businesses in Canada to follow i know i know internally as well they uh there have been efforts made to to um activate and and to reach out to and include people of color within the company as well in all different ranks of the company not just on the you know the c-suite or the executive level and and i would imagine as an outsider that comes with um some learning that has to, to that has to happen but i can imagine that that bringing voices to the table, especially in a production side, if we think of you know the group that you work with and the group that I was very close to uh, in in the production side, that being able to direct those stories and 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 ask questions and reach out to artists in the community and, and tell those stories must bring a renewed appreciation for yourself because you had said that that yes what we have been hearing these stories for i think of like i was i was 10 years old when rodney king was beaten in the streets of of la but being able to be empowered to tell some of these stories and speak with you know people of our community and people of the city must have brought rewards for for you yeah it was very rewarding and I definitely felt like I was company-wise, career-wise, I'm in the right place at the right time um, to be able to have a platform to tell these stories. Because I and I don't take that for granted, because I know that not everybody does, and a lot of people want to say more and say 
anything that they can, but not everybody has that platform on this scale, at least, because I do think that everybody is able to talk, but on this scale to be heard in a way. So, um, no, I was definitely honored and I wanted to do the piece justice. And I would say uh, as a producer, this is probably the proudest work I've ever done. And it's going to be hard that regardless of of championships that might come or big moments that might come, when something really strikes a chord in such a large part of the community, uh, be it white, black, indigenous or otherwise, it strikes that that emotional chord because it really matters. And, and sometimes that conflict, I imagine, is tough in sports because we love a game and we pour lots and there's lots of time and effort and energy and research put into a game. But then when you parallel the two things side by side, you realize that sports is just a game mm-hmm. and that it pales in comparison. And that, in a way, brings me to what I felt has been the third section of this last eight months. And that's sports returning, yet injustices continuing on as if none of the last six months have happened and then now you've been at the front of that on again on a raptors side and 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 involved in their statements and actions and reactions how was that commanded a different power Oof. honestly um so i've i've been fortunate to have worked with a lot of powerful people at mlsc like such as tony who has been leading a lot of the internal conversations MLSC has been pretty good overall with listening to their suggestions and advice um, and letting them lead a lot of the content the way that they can. And also, but for me, I know personally, like on air, I've had amazing producers such as Patrick Choi that I know, you know, and he's been able to give us uh, give us a platform on Raptors Today. We have it called Raptors Today Extra, where we are able to talk about social justice as well. So we've had full on episodes that were just about what was happening outside of the bubble, really, what was happening to the black community and everything. But, you know, honestly, emotionally, it's hard. It, it's, it's hard. It takes a toll on you. There's been times I need to, to, like, just take a deep breath and breathe. And, like, after I'm done shooting a show, like, I literally just need to go for a walk and, like, clear my head again. Like, it's, it's a lot to get consumed in. And I know, you know, having spoken to my colleagues at work as well, like, they, they feel the same way. Like, it gets overwhelming sometimes. And you just got to take a break and um, we know we appreciate everybody who checks up on us and it's, it's meaningful, but yeah, I know it's just, it's almost like we know this has been going on for so long, but now to have it slammed in your face and like, okay, like it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, but we also want to be the ones that also help make the change. Cause you know, we can't talk about a problem, but not come with solutions. So we're, we're pushing ourselves. We're pushing our company. We're pushing our community to do more just to do to do more to be to to rise to the challenge to really use their voice and as as we saw with the NBA if they're able to essentially shut down society for the pandemic cuz think about it March 11th that's when the NBA closed down and then all of a sudden everybody closed down and then now fast forward to the bubble when Jacob Blake happened and they're talking about boycotting well all the sports boycotted for uh temporarily for a couple of days so the NBA has so much power in that regards that we're just trying to do our best and represent the community in a way that's accurate. But we also understand that we are not the only voices of this community as well, that there's a lot to be said. You had mentioned that you feel basketball and the community are one, and especially when it comes to to, to movements, um, to 
movements of social justice justice or greater awakenings to social justice and, and we we can talk about the nba but this it feels like for longer and, and or more powerfully has been a part of the wnba's game as well oh yeah don't even get me started wnba has been around from time like they've been about the social justice life for a long time we've talked about it on the hangout before like i remember 2016 2015 like talking about how they were like the first league to my knowledge at least that were that started wearing like shirts to 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 warm-ups in games like they got fined for this back then by their own league um they were with Colin Kaepernick when everything was happening there they also did a protest they also took uh, a knee and then uh the other actually the opposing team I'm trying to remember I think it was LA I want to say they were in the locker room they refused to come out Exactly. They refused to come out during the national anthem. And this is long before any of this uh, boycotting has happened now. So the WNBA has been leaders when it comes to vocalizing. They've also done um, social justice. Uh, they've been talking about social justice in their media hits in the past as well. If anything, I would say yeah, they're, they're definitely a leader in the conversation. I honestly feel like um, the NBA has acknowledged and has seen what the WNBA has been doing and I feel like a lot of the ideas and inspirations for what they're doing now has come from them to be honest and this just furthers your point that idea that basketball in the community for not just this year and not just these last six months but they're they they truly are one and the same mm -hmm. yeah no basketball and community are very intertwined like you know i always say that basketball is more than just a sport sometimes it's still it's almost a culture it's a lifestyle you know we see it in music we see how many songs have you heard that you know we uh, there's rappers referring to basketball some some player some game or something you know um or fashion as well we see in fashion exactly shoes shoe game is everything and then also like look at what russell westbrook with his outfits when he's walking into the game like you know like they basketball has a way of <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah, basketball has a way of influencing a lot in this world. So, yeah, the community uh, is very embedded with the world of basketball, which I also really love. It's definitely more than just a sport. Sav, I promised you a 20-minute conversation, and we've gone over half an hour. And I apologize because I know this is a very busy day for you. But before I let you go, I want to be able to direct people your way. Um you know, uh, online, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, where can they find you? But also, you know, right now during, during, you know, this heightened, very odd NBA season, uh, where can they find some of the stuff you've been creating and also some of the places that you're hosting and can be featured? Hey, give me the shout out, Clayton. I appreciate it. Yeah, bring it in. <laughs> bring it in. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, also on Twitter, you can find me at Savvy, S-A-V-Y, Hamilton. I've tried, trust me, I've tried changing my Twitter handle before to like Savannah Hamilton. It's taken. It just sucks. No, it's good. I like Savvy. <laughs> Savvy. Um, and then on Instagram, it's Savannah Hamilton. Uh, there's no H at the end of my name, by the way, for Savannah. It's just S-A-V-A-N-N-A Hamilton 11 on Instagram. So a lot of people misspell my name all the time. I get it all the time. I don't think you have, though. So I appreciate that. Or it's Savannah with an H and then your last name's Hamilton. Starts with an H. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then uh, I guess for uh, watching Raptors 
today, just go on the Raptors Facebook page under videos and you'll find a lot of it there. I'm on both Nightcap as well as Raptors today. Nightcap. So we're recording this the day of Game 7. And I apologize if it wasn't for the sake that these podcasts get released on Saturdays. We would have lined up the timing a little bit better. But... You know, you're listening to this on Saturday, you're cruising, you're having your morning coffee, whatever you're doing, and you can now watch Savannah Hamilton and a great, uh, an incredibly great, I cannot, I cannot give them enough praise, group of, of talented people um, that meet after every game and do a nightcap, uh, friends of mine that I've had that have helped me, that have shaped my career, and that I'm lucky to call on, like you, uh, when I want to talk basketball and I want a little bit of insight into the league. Sav, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much, Clayton. It's been a pleasure. And when this all clears up, you better believe I'm going to come calling because like, the LBJ digital doc was great, but we've got so much coming. Like, There's so much. We have our whole lives ahead of us to like hit that next level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. I'm so down. Best of luck. Let's go, Raptors. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're we're listening to this after a win. And uh, good luck with your shows today. Thank you. You too, man. Uh, take care, eh? We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. Please check the number and try your call again. <laughs>